Welcome to our podcast this morning. My name is Blair, and today we are continuing our series where we are working through the New Testament letter to the Philippians. And what we're doing is we're looking more closely at the theme of joy that's found throughout the letter. Thanks for joining me, and I hope that you enjoy today's topic. So, so we did this last week, but, but do me a favor, and we might just do it every week. Do me a favor here right from the start. Let's try this again. Give me your best smile. Come on. Come, come on, smile at me. I know you can do it. It feels good to smile, doesn't it? <laughs> See, we're now we're in a series that's based in the New Testament letter of Philippians. And one of the major themes of this letter is joy. Because, I mean, we, we can all use more joy, right? Especially now. And so today, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to start Philippians 1 and 12, verse 12. And if you want to turn or click there in your Bible to follow along, this is the Apostle Paul writing this. And he says this, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Well, what's happened to him? Well, Paul is in prison because of his faith. He is uh, awaiting a, a trial and possible execution because of following Christ. So he keeps going in verse 13. And he says, As a result, it's become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He's not just a regular prisoner you know, begging for his life. And he says, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He said, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that you know, they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Some people didn't like Paul and preferred him to be dead. And he says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And then because of this, I rejoice. He is practicing joy because of this. He says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but what will have sufficient, but will have, that I'll have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, if I'm to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, you know, what, what will I choose? He says, I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, yet, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with um, all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So, you know, th this starts out with, with Paul saying that being in prison hasn't diminished his faith or slowed down the work of Christ. I mean, that, that's an incredible statement. Because, you know, I, 
I think that we tend to get hung up on needing the right circumstances to feel good, to feel safe, to feel right about moving forward in life. But twice in these verses, we read Paul saying that he is rejoicing. He is engaging in joy despite his circumstances. And that's an attitude that should inspire and challenge us that we can find joy in life even when it's difficult. You know, Paul shows us that focusing on sharing Jesus with others was bringing joy to his life and giving purpose to his suffering. That's a challenging attitude for any of us. I've noticed that in my own life that when I dwell on asking God, why is this happening to me, that joy drains from my life. But when I ask God, you know, God, what, what can I do to bless somebody else today? Despite my circumstances, what can I do to show someone else your love or to tell somebody else about, about your good news, your salvation? I've noticed when I do that, that I experience a sustaining joy, a strength that comes from God. Right? Joy is found in, in God. Now, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians are three letters all in a row in the Bible that we find in, the, in this part of the Bible. And they're sometimes called or referred to the freedom letters. And they're all written while Paul is in prison. You know, sometimes we can't make sense or understand God's purpose for our lives in the moment. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a purpose for what we're facing. That he isn't at work in it. God's always at work in our lives. The circumstances around Paul's imprisonment and his character in the midst of this trial made it clear to those around him, right, that, that he was not just another prisoner begging for his life, but he was a messenger of Jesus Christ. His witness led to people trusting in Jesus, even some of the palace guard. We always have opportunity and difficulty to share Jesus. Paul's imprisonment gave the Christians all around him who were not imprisoned, it gave them greater confidence and boldness. They saw joy. They saw his joy in the midst of this trial, and they saw God taking care of him in, in such an incredible circumstance. And they saw that God could still use Paul when he was imprisoned. That's an attitude I want us to embrace. Paul knew, right, that some preached um, because they wanted to look better than him in ministry. They wanted to promote themselves and their own name and, uh, above his. That, uh, you know, there were people that were glad Paul was in prison because they felt that that gave them some kind of an edge over him. They considered it to be a contest, and Paul did not. You know, in comparison robs us of joy. But here's the thing, like, ambition isn't necessarily a bad thing because there's nothing wrong with wanting to be the best that we can be for God. But selfish ambition, right? That, that is, that's mostly concerned with appearances and what others say and think about you instead of working towards true success with God. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to, to work on what really matters in life to ambitiously pursue God, to pursue knowing Him and being like Him, to work on taking, 
to work on taking on his attitude, his perspective towards life, you know, to work on what God says is true, becoming the truth that, that you believe and live every day. Each and every one of us, you know, we all, each and every one of us have inconsistencies and levels of hypocrisy in our lives. Areas where we struggle and fall short and, and we will, each and every one of us, die with imperfections. But that doesn't mean that we just accept it and do nothing. But instead, we honor God. We honor Him with our lives, including our, shortcom our shortcomings, when we deliberately work on God's truth, becoming the truth that we live every day. Now, if you don't know where to start, if you don't know where to begin with this, well, start with the Bible and prayer. If you've never read the Bible, start in the book of John. And make sure it's a version that you can understand. If you need help, contact me. And I'm happy to help you find the right resources. And prayer, prayer is simply taking time to, to talk to God and trying to hear his voice. Start there. And your relationship with God will develop and grow. So it goes on in verse 18. Paul describes that he is continuing to express joy despite his difficult situation. Because he knows that God will work out what has happened to him for his rescue and his redemption. Paul and the Philippian people, they, they loved each other dearly. And, and Paul knew that they were praying for him and, the, and that his deliverance was connected to their prayers, but that his provision came from God alone. I want us to see here, I want us to see the importance that prayer is playing, the importance of prayer and its relation to joy. See, Paul is describing that the only way he'll be rescued or redeemed is by prayer because it's God who takes care of and provides for him. And just because right, he's in a difficult position, a very difficult position that's threatening his very life, doesn't mean that he's not living in God's will or outside of God's care. There's a good attitude there for us. Paul is trying to preserve, he isn't trying, to preserve his life or to promote himself. His only goal is to glorify Jesus Christ in every situation, in every circumstance. And the only way that you and I can take on this same kind of attitude in our life is by connecting with God and, and, and praying, prayer, but we need to connect with God. And prayer is one of the primary ways that we do that. You'll find joy as you spend time in prayer with God. If we don't know God, Right? If we aren't actively in pursuit of being like him and, and being with him is what makes us like him because we become like the people we spend time with, right? If we don't know God, if we aren't pursuing him, it becomes easy for us to dictate to God how he can and cannot glorify himself in our lives. And we then, you know, we often justify that with self-preservation. Paul goes on in verse 21. He makes just this incredible statement, right? It's one that you can make foundational in your life. You know, like, like driving a nail in a beam, you can hang the weight of your life on the statement that to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a statement. We can have joy in this life because in Christ, we don't ever truly lose. 
difficulty, prison, and death, they're not defeat. To a Christian, death is a graduation to that which is superior and eternal and, uh, and unchanged, unchanged by you know, the stain of sin. Joy is found in the understanding that your life now belongs to God. All the good, all the bad is his. Joy is found in the surrender of yourself to him. And the more surrendered you are, the more joy you will find, despite your circumstances. Because to live is to live for Jesus every day, in every way. We don't get to pick and choose what God gets. You and I were purchased by God at the price of Jesus' death on the cross. I mean, imagine how it sounds to him after paying such an incredible price for us, for for us to withhold some of our life for him. God has abundant, overflowing joy available for each and every one of us, but the experience of it is connected to how surrendered we are. And so we each need to ask ourselves, am I willing? Am I willing to give it all for Jesus? See, Jesus gave his all for us. And in a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. So, uh, so grab your, your bread and, and your juice, or coffee and crackers, <laughs> whatever it is you have today, and I'm going to ask you to hold them. Hold them in your hands. And just slow down enough to consider their meaning. The bread being his body, which was beaten and tortured and nailed to a cross for you and for me. It's the punishment that we deserve that he took. The juice represents his blood, which was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. This is the price that was paid to purchase us. There's deep joy to be found in knowing that your sins are forgiven and that eternity in heaven waits for us as the reward. You know, and while I know that I'll never be able to fully live up to the price that Jesus paid for me, I want to honor him with my, I want, to, I want my life to honor him, to glorify him. I want to take on the attitude that my life is all about Jesus and dying is the reward where I enter his presence forever. You know, this is, this right here is the reminder of that. Right? That, that to live every day is to live for him. It's the reminder. And so, you know, on the night that Jesus was headed to the cross, where he gets betrayed, he, he's sitting with those closest to him, his disciples, except for the one Judas who left to betray him. And he's sitting and he takes bread and he breaks it. And he says to them, this is my body. Right, the, the body that was beaten and tortured and crucified. He's saying, I, I'm giving myself to you so that you can experience, I can purchase you, and you can then experience all that God has for you, that you can be fully forgiven, fully delivered, and set free. See, what happens to us in day-to-day life and Right now, day-to-day life can be quite difficult. What happens to us in day-to-day life isn't really what freedom is all about. Freedom happens in the heart and mind first. And so Jesus is saying to us, I'm giving my body so that you can be freed from 
the torment, the torture, all that you deserved, I'll take, and you can get all that I deserved. So let's rejoice in that as we eat the bread together. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you. And after they'd eaten, Jesus took a cup and he filled it with wine. And he says, this cup is the new covenant. It's a new agreement between God and man, and it's made with my blood. Right? And, and it's for the forgiveness of our sins. Our sins can be cleansed, removed. And Jesus does, does that so that we can be completely free from the sorrow, the guilt, the condemnation of our sin, that we could live in his joy. Let's think of that as we drink together. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you. Jesus, we come to you. Our desire is to honor you with our whole lives. So, Lord, we, we ask that you speak to us. Talk to us, God. If there's areas of our life that we're withholding or holding back. God, we give you permission to speak to us now, to guide us, to lead us. God, we, we desire, I desire to surrender everything for you. God, forgive me for so many times where I'm looking at my life and my situations and circumstances and determining my joy based on what's happening to me or around me. God, you know that the last year or more has been so difficult for so many of us. And we've used that. God, we've let that determine how joyful we are. God, help us. That forever, how much longer we have to wait. God, I pray that you help us to be just like Paul, that the people around us would see you in us despite the difficult circumstances. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that you be with us. You go with us. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. May you have a very joyful week in the Lord.